Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Hey, good morning. Man, that is quite a different Christmas story, isn't it? Uh, than what we normally know of, and what we know of is true. Um, we are in chapter 12, and today we're talking about this cosmic battle that's, that has been waged and, and heavens being played out on earth. And so uh, if you were here last week, if you joined us online last week, you know that we were talking about the end of time. And so if you're a type A personality, Revelation is incredibly frustrating because he John jumps around. He sees this, he sees this, he sees this. He goes from the beginning to the end, to the middle, to the beginning, to the end, to the middle. So if you're thinking, hey, it's very frustrating, a lot of people think that way. Now, this week we're going to talk about that cosmic battle. Next week we're going to be talking about the beast and, and the mark of the beast. But today, I want us to, um, I think more so than ever, I, every time I preach and every time I know a preacher preaches, they don't want the people to leave like they walked in. And I think my greatest fear today is that we would leave and you would walk out and you would say to me, good message. And that's not what I want. That's, that's not what I want at all. And, and I don't, that's not what the, the, the Lord wants, I believe, today. I, I believe this. He wants us to wake up. I believe he wants a church in America to wake up. And so when you and I leave here today, I hope you're uncomfortable because I've been uncomfortable ever since I've written this message. Matter of fact, it started years ago. And when you hear me say, wake up, you're thinking, wait, wake up to what? Let me, let me tell you when the wake up process began for me a little bit. Uh, you know, I told you a couple weeks ago, uh, myself and several pastors, we've been to India several times to, to see some of the missionaries and the missions that we support over there. And this second time we're coming back, Greg Miller and I, we're, we've been over there 13 days, which is a long time uh, to be uh, 11 and a half hours off your regular uh, normal schedule. And our systems are all messed up and we're fatigued. And this driver is taking us to the airport in New Delhi. Now, since we had been in central India, he had been with us this whole time. And I just thought he was our driver and our host. But about day four of being there, I noticed he was packing. And, and not a Glock. I mean, this guy was, this guy was ready for war, if, if need be. And I realized he was our bodyguard. And he was a big fella. But as we're pulling up to the airport in New Delhi, he, he gets a little emotional. He says, guys, I just I want to thank you for, for coming here. Now, I want you to understand what we did there. If you weren't here, man, 
we went to church after church, sometimes three churches a day. We were talking about, hey, hey, turn to Jesus or, or trust in Jesus and, and encouraging people in Christ. And then we would meet with, with pastors and we would encourage persecuted pastors. And I felt so unqualified to, to stand before pastors who, who literally had scars on their faces and, and on their bodies. Some of them had lost uh, family members uh, that were killed for their faith in Jesus. And he says, I want to thank you because you sacrificed a lot to come here. And he says, I've been to America. It's so comfortable. He said, your roads are so comfortable. And you got air conditioner everywhere you go. Your, your roads are clean. And everywhere you go, it's so clean. It's just so comfortable. And you came here to be uncomfortable with us. His kind words, man, they, they pierced me. And they pierced my heart. And I, I, I can still see myself sitting in the back seat with Greg and, and this driver, as emotional as he is, thanking me for leaving my comfort and going there. When it's time to baptize people here, you know, this is what happens. They, they let their family members know, some friends know, and, and then we, we had the baptismal here. Uh, we have someone takes photographs here. Man, it's a celebration, and that family, a lot of times they'll get their pictures taken together, and, and, and then they'll all go out to eat. There in India, where we were, when it was time to baptize somebody, they did it on the moment, and they would go deep into the woods so that people wouldn't find out because when the, when the people found out about it, there were non-Christians that hated the Christians there, they would go and they would attack them and beat them and try to make sure they didn't get baptized, but if they did get baptized, they would beat them anyway. Comfortable. They built a, a mission building. We, we, we opened up the atrium, you know, several months ago, and, and we had the uh, you know, Chamber of Commerce came out. You had people from different walks of leadership here in Newton County, and, and they came and they celebrated with us. They, they opened up their mission building in India, and the police department came and told them they had to get out because they were going to take it from a brand new mission building. We, we do something in the, in the community, take, take Change the World, and churches partner together. I mean, it's celebrated. It's, on, you know, it's all over social media and it's all over Facebook and, and in the newspapers. All these churches came together. Look how, how good this is. They do an event for children or a revival or, or whatever it may be in the community and people throwing rocks at them, hitting them in the head. Thank you for leaving your comfort. I'm going to leave here in a little bit. And I may stop and get a little Debbie on the way home. Don't tell my wife. She's watching right now, though. And I'm going to go home and eat lunch and, you know, lay on the sofa as long as I can with the kids until I have to get off the sofa. And many of the pastors that I spoke with had to sneak out of their towns at night for fear of being murdered. comfortable. And when I say pastors, you might be thinking people that went to seminary. No. A lot of times it's a, a farmer or a local businessman or, or just somebody that's 
to say, I'm going to be trained in this. And, and when they train, they, they're going to be in the word of God. And, and listen, they're bivocational. They get maybe if they get paid anything, it's just $150 a month. Amen. But they're going to reach their neighbors. They're going to reach their friends. It's not, not pastors like you and I think. Everybody's a pastor to some degree. I've been to America and I know how comfortable it is. See, there's this cosmic battle been being played out. It's being waged in the heavens, but it's being played out here, here on earth. And the church in America is very comfortable. Right now, the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. It's growing faster than any other part of the world. And, and one pastor was interviewed and he spoke about the intense attack from, from Satan on the, on the church there in Iran. And he referenced the church in America and he said it's like they've been sung a lullaby. And they've gone to sleep. So comfortable that they forgot they were at war. And hopefully today, hopefully today that we'll wake up. And listen, I know this is not a popular message. I know usually I'm going to start out with a joke or two or, or whatever. But I'm telling you, hopefully today we won't leave here the same way we walked in. I want us to wake up to the war that's all around us. And that's been going on since the beginning of time. So when Ray, when Ray, Ray, my good friend, Ray Bailey, um, <laughs> Trey, uh, Trey Bailey, when he read Revelation 12, you know, you saw in there, there's two signs. You got one, the sign of a woman. Uh, she's clothed with the sun. She's got a crown with 12 stars on it. I mean, it just sounds incredibly weird. If you've never read the Bible, let's just be honest, that sounds weird, all right? But remember, this is apocalyptic language. It's, it's meant to stir a response in us. But for some of you, you're going, hey, you know what? That language, that's not new to me. I've seen that kind of language somewhere before. Well, we're in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. If you go all the way to, to Genesis, in, in chapter 37, the first book of the Bible, you'll see language very much like that. Joseph had a dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. He said, listen, I've had another dream. And he said, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. The sun, the moon, and 11. Joseph's mom and dad, his dad, the sun, his mom, the moon, and there's 11 brothers bowed low before him. The, the, the children of Israel, the people of, of God. So, so the, the, the woman in here, of course, it represents Mary. We can tell by the, the initial reading of it, hey, that's Mary. But also, it's not just Mary. It's, it's the people of God. It's Israel. It's, it's the church. But also, there's another sign. He talks about a dragon, which is the devil, the Satan. And God foretold this battle between Jesus and Satan. And in Genesis 3.15, he says this, and I will cause host hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel as he's talking to Satan. At the birth of Jesus, if we go back to Revelation 12, at the birth of Jesus, you see this dragon who is Satan who's ready to devour the Christ child. This is the other side of Christmas. Well, we see this attack on earth. If you go back to Matthew and you see King Herod, and what does he do? He orders that all baby boys, two years and under, are murdered for fear of this new king. 
We see it being played out on earth. This war in heaven played out on earth. And at Christmas Eve this year, we're going to have a very sweet Christmas Eve service, and rightly so. And it'll be sweet and, and full of wonder. Eugene Peterson says this about Christmas. Jesus' birth excites more than wonder. It excites evil. Satan hates Christmas. Satan just doesn't hate the celebration of, of giving gifts. He hates Christ and he hates his people. On that night, now you're going, Scott, you are killing Christmas for me. We're going to get a tree this week. Man, get a tree. That's great. But at this Christmas, you're going to sing and we're going to sing Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. It, there could be another, another verse that goes, Silent night, holy night. All of hell is prepared to fight. Not just prepared to fight. And it's still fighting. There's this war being played out, whether we realize it or not. Satan didn't stop after Herod. You know, he didn't just incite Herod to kill all these baby boys just because he failed to kill the Christ child. Listen to what it says in, in Revelation 12, 17. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commands and maintain their testimony for Jesus. That's us. I'm telling you, Satan has waged war against you and, and against me. And not just you and me, but against every believer on the face of the earth that confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This verse, man, that this verse should, should wake us up. Man, have I, have I been lulled to sleep? Have I, have I made an idol out of comfort? This verse is why we read in the news of murders, of suicide, of depression, and anxiety. Hey, COVID, whether it was created in the lab or not, I don't know. But I'll tell you where COVID was created. It was created in the pits of hell along with racism and hatred and divorce and, and busted up families. Satan has been at war against us. So what should we do? Well, again, last week we were talking about the end of time, and now we're sort of talking, now we're going back 2,000 years, and now we're back in the present time. Paul told the church in 2 Corinthians how to, how to live in times like this, how not to be outsmarted. He says this to the church. He says, so that Satan will not outsmart us. He says, for we're familiar with his evil schemes. You, you can recognize the work of Satan. Every single one of us can, can recognize his work. So we don't have to be outsmarted. So what we need to do is we need to wake up to Satan's schemes. And the first scheme is this, is accusations. He will throw accusations at us and before God. It says this, then I, learned, I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before God day and night. That word uh, thrown out literally means he was bounced out. Like Satan was bounced out of heaven. This accuser. Now what does he accuse us of? Well, you, you, when I said accuse, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Because sometimes you'll, you'll be going down the road and you think, hey, I want to do this or, or I want to do that for God or whatever, you know, and all of a sudden you feel this guilt. Oh, who are you? Who are you? You remember when you did this or, or you said this? He's going to accuse us of, of past sins. And listen, accusations get their power when we agree with them. Oh, you're right. Oh, I forgot. Who am I to tell somebody that there's a better life than drugs and alcohol? Because, man, I, I did more drugs and alcohol than, than anybody. Oh, you're right. Man, who am I to tell somebody that, hey, your marriage can, can get better just because there was adultery in there? Doesn't mean that God can't restore it because I'm the one that committed adultery. Who am I? Or he'll use baggage from the families we grew up in. It's not a single person in this room that doesn't have a mama or a daddy wound. And it created an insecurity in us. And man, Satan will pounce on them. Man, you can't do that. You're not good enough. You're, you're not smart enough. You're just playing not enough. And what do we do? You're right. You're right. I don't know what I was thinking. Man, that's why. That is why we must, must be in our Bibles. Listen, I'm, I'm going to get Sammy Sunday School. And Sandy, that's not a, a, a reference to you. Say, 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 well, maybe it is. But that's why we must be in our Bibles. Knowing that everyone who's called on the Son of God is a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. We're forever and fully forgiven. And for us to be unforgiven, Christ would have to get back in the grave. Man, here's the good news. Christ took our punishment. And when I have faith in Christ, man, I am forever and fully forgiven. We realize that we're more than conquerors in Christ. Greater is he, in, greater is he that is in me than Satan that's in the world. And that we're created. Man, God created us to do good works. So when he accuses us, man, we come back. With the truth of Scripture. That's why we must be in the Scriptures. But Satan also will use deceit. This dragon, this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with his angels. He wants to deceive us. I mean, Satan has deceived so many people in the church with, with these words. You can't pray. You don't know how to pray. And I think he's got a lot of men believing that as well. Man, you don't know how to pray. I would pray, but I don't know how to pray. Man, that's a lie. If you were to tell God right now, God, I can't pray, guess what? You just pray. You are a prayer. You're out praying a lot of people right now. If you say, God, I, I, I can't pray. Man, that's a prayer right there. Man, I tell you what. He's also deceived people into believing they can't read their Bibles. They can read the ESPN app, ESPN app. They can read the Weather Channel app. They can read the stock market apps. They can read uh, the news. They can read all these things. But when it comes to, oh, I can't read the Bible. I don't understand it. Listen, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of stuff I don't understand in the Bible. We're in a book of it for me right now. But there's a lot I do understand. And I need to obey what I do understand. I need to believe what I do understand. Man, don't agree with Satan when he says you can't read. 
Listen, when you read the Bible, like it says in, in 1 John 3, 8, you're going to realize this, that Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. Plain as day, it says it right there in 1 John 3, 8. Man, Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. And Jesus lives in you. And when you know what God says about you, man, you can pray with power and you can pray with confidence. And I think we, we know we're comfortable when our prayers don't go beyond, God, heal my children, God, keep my children safe, and God, I'd like a raise. guarantee you that's not what they're praying in Iran. I guarantee you they're praying for boldness and they're praying for confidence and, and they're praying, hey God, no matter what, help me to share my faith with my neighbor. Jesus said something about the church in Matthew 16. It's not on the screen. And he's saying this to Peter. He says, now I say to you, it's your Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. See, I believe that to be true. I believe when we get back to the end of time, and the church wins. I, I believe that. But man, I sure do feel like a lot of people in the church are getting their, their teeth kicked in. It just seems like hell's advancing. And I know it can't win in the end. But man, it seems like the gates of hell are strong, and it seems like the gates of hell are advancing. I think it's because many have gotten comfortable. And we've forgotten that we're at war. Listen, when you're confident in Jesus, man, when you're confident that you're forgiven in Jesus, no matter what you did, you, you cannot be unforgiven. Well, no matter what you did, when you're confident that Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan and you're confident that it was in you, man, then you can begin praying. Hey, God, I, I'm praying that you'll destroy the works of Satan in my family, that you'll destroy the works of Satan in my kids, that you'll destroy the works of Satan in my community, that you'll destroy the works of Satan in my church. Man, when you believe these things to be true, all of a sudden, man, you've become a force. You've joined the, the war. You've joined the battle. And you know what I believe? I do believe hell backs up. I may regret saying this, but we need to be praying the hell out of our community and in our churches and in our relationships and everywhere we see hell advancing. Man, you don't know how much I struggled with it. I'm going to say that or not. <laughs> Satan has been deceiving since the beginning of time. The first, the first temptation was a question, right? Did God really say that? Did he really say that? I got saved in the 1980s, right before the day the music died. And we can, we don't have to debate when we had the greatest music, we all know. But the movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, came out in theaters and churches all over the country were very upset about it. Because in the end there, it portrayed Jesus as someone who had a sexual relationship with Mary Magdalene and um, he questioned his own identity. Like, man, he, he wasn't sure, am I really the son of God? I don't know if I can do this. It, just that kind of mindset. And you're thinking, Scott, it was just a movie. What, what impact does that really have? Well, if you fast forward about, I got saved about 33 years ago, you fast forward about 27. 
I'm sitting with a counselor who, who specializes with, with pastors. And so I'm talking and talking. And, and he goes, Scott, do you ever question your identity? And I'm like, oh, yeah. He said, don't you think Jesus did that? And I'm like, oh, no. What do you mean? He said, remember when Jesus was with Peter? He said, Peter, who do the people say I am? I don't know, like, Jesus question. I'm like, man, you're, you're smoking something. I don't know where you're getting that. But you know what? If I back up 28 years ago, it's bad theology. It's bad theology. He'll do the same with you. He'll make you question what's in the Bible. And this is why it's so important to know what's in the Bible. Because a lot of times we just hear what we think's in the Bible. This is why we, we can need to be in the Bible so we can reject the lies and, and the deceit of Satan. And this brings about this new thing. I guess it's not really new. The deconstruction of faith. You hear a lot about this. People, especially millennials, are, are going through this. This is when they take out things that they don't think really should be. Like if, if Jesus really knew my, my homosexual friend, he, he wouldn't call it a sin. Or, or if Jesus really knew my, my atheist friend, he wouldn't say that there's only one way to heaven, that he wouldn't say he's the only way because this my atheist friend's really good. And so what do we do? We start taking things out. But it's not new. Thomas Jefferson did this. He took everything that was miraculous or divine out of Scripture, just ripped it out. Slave owners did this. They took out Exodus and any other scripture in the Bible that made slavery seem bad. Church, we have to know what's in our Bibles. It is the word of God to us. See, there was a sin problem that everyone struggled with. And Jesus solved it for all people who will call upon him. Without Jesus... And no one escapes hell. But all who believe, all who believe, and they are forever and fully forgiven. And people all over the world are dying because they have to share that truth. India, Iran, China, people die for their faith all over the world. But not so much here in America. America. Because Satan uses death. The fear of death. Then I witnessed in heaven a, another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his heads. I saw a large red dragon. And the original hearers heard red. And they knew what that meant. It wasn't red because that was his, the color of his skin. It was red for the blood that was shed. But here's what it says. These people that heard this, they defeated Satan. How, how did they defeat him? In Revelation 12, 11, it says, They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, not by their works, but by the blood of the Lamb. The fact that he had forgiven them and they'll live for eternity. And by their testimony, the testimony of the Word of God. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. That's probably the most shocking statement in it for us. They did not love their lives so much 
that they were afraid to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How is that? Listen to what it says in Hebrews. God, God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus died our death. Man, Paul said, hey, to die, hey, listen, to, to live is Christ, to die is even better. To die is gain. So what do we have to do? Man, if we want to see the gospel advancing in our community. Man, what if people talked about the church in America the way they do in the church in Iran and in India and in China? Man, we have to wake up to the Son of God. That he's still alive. And then listen, we're, the only reason we're still alive is to continue the work that he created us to do. So we got to wake up to the Son of God and we got to wake up to the Word of God. It says they defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Their faith in Jesus was greater than their fear of death. Church, could we make that our prayer? That our faith in Jesus would be greater than our fear of death? And you know this and you've experienced this because you've had times in your life where you decided, you know, I'm going to get more serious about my faith. I'm going to get more serious about spending time with Jesus in the word. I'm going to step out in faith more. And here's what happens. It seems like all of hell comes against you with a cold. Or someone says no. But I'll tell you this, the moment you get serious, yeah, you will face persecution of some sort. You will face an attack of Satan of some sort. I know it's going to be true. And the temptation will be, well, let's just leave it the same. Let's just leave it the same. I don't want to create any waves. I just want to attend church and that's really enough because man if I just attend church that's enough what if you prayed this hey God I want to see you use me to lead 10 people to faith in Christ this year Hey, God, I, I want to see you use me to, to serve wherever the church needs me inside the building or outside the building Hey, God, I want you to open my eyes to the needs of those in my community. And then you did something. You did something. We have not been called to comfort. We've been called to die. To live for Christ is to die to ourselves. And when we choose comfort, we pay for it. Our families pay for it. Our kids pay for it. Our community pays for it. And the world pays for it. Please stand with me. Father God, we... 
stand in this room. It was cold in here this morning, Lord, and I came in, and so we cut the heat on so we'd be comfortable. And Father, I know there's brothers and sisters around the world that are meeting in the rain, or they're meeting in the cold, or they're meeting in extreme heat. Father, we drove here in vehicles that were climate-controlled, and Father, many of them walked. Father, this is my prayer, that we would reject comfort, and Father, that we would wake up, and Father, you would be glorified. And I pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Y'all have a great week. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.